Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Well, hello and welcome back. Same place as is our custom. You know, like Jesus, Scripture says he was in the synagogue on the Sabbath, as was his custom. So we are here because it's our custom. You say, well, I just come, come out of habit. No, no, it's because you choose. You choose to be here, and that's powerful. So uh, those of you joining us, if it's anyone's first time on a Wednesday or it's been a while and you wonder, uh, you're wondering about our format, Wednesday night's our Bible study night. It is a service, but we go, we, I feel led, and I do different books of the Bible. We've done it this way since January of 2020. And here's how we do it. We go through a book at a time. It's this simple. A book at a time, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. So book, verse, chapter. Right now we're in Acts. We've been in Acts for months. But uh, won't be long and we will finish the book of Acts. And um, I'm feeling led on our next book. But I don't want to say anything yet. I want to make sure. So Acts chapter 21, verse 21. Um, remember, just a little backdrop. Um, the Apostle Paul had been warned several times, do not go to Jerusalem. Do you guys remember that? And he went. Don't understand all of that. He's a man of God. So all things work together for good. For those who love God are called according to his purpose. But I mentioned this last week. We can only guess as to why would Paul be warned not to go to Jerusalem by the Spirit of God and still go anyway. Um, it, was, it was prophesied that he was going to be in trouble. They were going to, you know... They were going to put him in jail and all kinds of stuff. And Paul said, I am ready to both go to jail and to die for the name of Christ. So here he is in Jerusalem. This is where the drama unfolds. Uh, Jerusalem is a special place. It is the center of the universe for Jewish believers. It's also a special place for us because it's, it's a representative of the founding of our faith, right? Our faith comes from the Old Testament, even though we're part of the New Testament. We are New Testament believers. So Acts 21 21, so um, here we are. But the Jewish believers here in Jerusalem, these are the, the Jewish believers themselves, right, talking about themselves and other Jewish believers, people who believe like us, they believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Not all Jews believe Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one, the, one, the way to heaven, okay? Scripture says one day they will believe, they will look on him who they pierced, and they will mourn because of him. So that day is coming when all of Israel will believe, or virtually all of Israel will believe that Jesus is Lord. Right now they do not. There are Messianic Jews. Uh, Jewish believers hesitate to call themselves Christians because the Nazis called themselves Christians. A lot has been perpetrated on the Jews by people calling themselves Christians. Um, uh, during the Crusades, those folks called themselves Christians and they attacked Jerusalem and killed Jews and Muslims. So... Uh, Jewish believers hesitate to call themselves Christians. They call themselves Messianic, meaning they believe Jesus is the Messiah, okay? We say Christian, Christ-like, but hey, simply put, we're believers, all right? So they're talking here and they say, but the Jewish believers here in Jerusalem have been told, they're talking to Paul, that you are teaching all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn their backs on the laws of Moses. Is that what he was doing? Well, no. He's bringing a new and better way by the revelation of the Holy Spirit, but he's not saying to turn his back on the law of Moses. How could he when the very words of Jesus were, I didn't come to do away, right? I didn't come to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. So how many of you know the best lies are those sprinkled with truth? 
Haven't those got you before? They've got me. Like, dang, well, it sounds good. Well, I know that's true, but the rest, I don't know. Well, the enemy, the devil, or people who are good liars and servants of Satan, they mix a little bit of truth in with lies. So the, they're saying the Jewish believers here in Jerusalem have been told that you are teaching all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn their backs on the laws of Moses. They've heard that you teach them not to circumcise their children or follow other Jewish customs. That's not exactly what he was teaching. Okay, um, The Apostle Paul around this time was beginning to write letters, remember? They're, they are much of our New Testament. And in the letters he was saying, Circumcision doesn't, basically, circumcision doesn't give you eternal life. The law doesn't give you eternal life. Faith gives you eternal life. The law doesn't make you righteous. Faith makes you righteous. What is righteousness? Being right with God. Okay? I like to repeat things because that's how we get them deep within ourselves. So, righteousness, righteousness is being right with God by faith in Jesus. You know you're right with God. Holiness is you act like you are right with God. Okay? So righteousness is you're right with God. Holiness is your conduct, how you behave because you know you are right with God. If you know you're right with God, then you are going to start living like you're right with God, right? People who don't have a true uh, revelation or understanding of righteousness, well, they don't know how to act. All right? That's why you got some believers. And I'm not saying they're not saved, but I've met some believers where you look at them and go, why are you still acting like this? You've known the Lord a long time. Why are you still jealous? Why are you hateful? Why are you mean at work? Why do you have multiple personalities? They don't know who they are in Christ. There's other factors there, uh, and we know that. We know uh, through the spiritual warfare class, some believers need deliverance. I mean, you know, I'm going to tell you right now, a true believer in Jesus, scripturally, I don't believe they can be possessed by demons. That's, I don't believe that's scriptural. But they can be oppressed, meaning demons hang around and whisper to them and mess with them. And they have bondages. Okay? So, here we go. What should we do? They certainly hear that you have come. So, <laughs> the Jewish believers are a little concerned. They said, Paul, you're here. Oh, wow. This guy, wherever he goes, controversy follows him. He's doing different things. Now, you can, let, let me get into something tonight. The Apostle Paul had a few references there where he's speaking to certain churches in particular and talking about women even. And he's saying, in some of these, people have misconstrued what Paul has said and said, well, he was a woman hater or he was a chauvinist or he didn't want women ministering. But that's not true if you get the full counsel of the word. He told a certain church especially, and there, there's two that I know of, he told them, hey, Women need to be, be silent in services, but you need to understand the historical background of those churches. In some of those churches, like in Ephesus and Corinth, they worshipped women to the point that women were gods. Very strange culture, which you got to honor women, you got to honor men. Scripture says, uh, love one another, right? Respect, show respect to everyone, whether they've earned it or not. Treat each other um, with respect and honor. But Paul was dealing with certain issues in different places in the new Christian world in the first century. All right? So some go, well, well, he was, he was anti-women. Well, how could he be when, when the book of Psalms says, um, the Lord sent the command and sent his word and a host of women declares it. You know what declaring is and proclaiming? It's preaching. I find it strange and hypocritical. I don't know why I'm, I'm touching this tonight. Somebody needs to hear it. Maybe it's in here or maybe it's on the live stream. Why is it that certain denominations 
who believe that women shouldn't preach, they'll send them to, as missionaries because there's no men, and they'll let them go preach and baptize people in China and raise up churches, and they come back and they can't preach in America for some denominations. I'm not going to call them by name tonight. I should, but I'm not going to. I'm very familiar with them because I've been part of a couple of those denominations. We're non-denominational here. But that's very strange to me and hypocritical. Or they'll say, no, women can't teach from up here, but they can teach Sunday school. Well, what is the difference? And if someone truly believes that and says, women can't lead men at all, then why would they allow a woman to lead worship? I've heard people say that before. Say, no, women can't lead men at all. Well, why are you allowing women to lead worship then? If you believe that, then no women at all. And that's crazy because everybody in here knows that women do most of the work at churches. Argue with me. Prove it. Look at churches in America. Look at churches all over the world. I've been in churches in Russia, Indonesia, Austria, Holland, Belgium. I've been in churches. I don't want to say, was it Belgium? I know for sure Holland. I stayed in Belgium and then we'd go back to Holland. I'm going to tell you right now, most of the churches are women. So why would God cancel out half of his creation and go, well, only men can minister, women can't? Why did he tell uh, Mary Magdalene, go and tell? She was the first preacher of the new covenant as soon as Jesus rose from the dead. Now, do women have different giftings? Yes. There's things women can do that I can't do. There's things I can do that women can't do. Just like a woman cannot be a father. Did y'all know that? And we, hey, look, and we know, you know, people go, man, I was talking, there was a lady talking the other day. She said, well, my kids, they give me gifts for Father's Day and Mother's Day. That's fine. That's up to y'all because she was all they had, and that's great. She was a great mom. Praise God, raising kids in the Lord and everything. But just like I, I cannot take the place of my wife having children, did you know that? No matter what, I can be the best husband in the world, but I can never fulfill the role of a child in my wife's life, ever. Just like I cannot be a mother to you, but I can be a father. I can be a spiritual dad. I can be a big brother. I can never be a sister or a, a spiritual mother. That would be weird. And do you guys see how the devil has used this, all the gender confusion? Well, I don't identify as that. Well, I identify as Samson, and I have long hair down my back. Yeah, right. Okay? You can say what one kid said. I had, I'm not male or female. I am a tractor. Read an article about that. Confusion. The Old Testament says ours is confusion of faith. They've brought confusion because they didn't know their roles. Now, this is just me speaking, okay? I believe women can pastor churches. I now, this is me, okay? I believe it's great when a man can be the head, the senior pastor of a church. That's great. But many times there are no men to take those places. That's why you go another place. We were in South Africa. You can ask Barry, Vali, Adi, my wife, uh, Ms. Debbie. South Africa, sometimes there just weren't men serving God. So a woman, had, she was the pastor. Praise God. That's great. How many of you know it's all about serving and it's all about loving each other? Just like, look, this goes both ways. Remember, the word cuts both ways. Just like women can't say, oh, all men are dogs. Right? Men can't say that about women either. We've got to be healed. And just like women can't say, oh, men shouldn't minister, men shouldn't say women can't minister. 
Scripture says we are one in Christ. There's not Jew or Greek or Mexican or African or Irish or, or whatever, Samoan. We're all one in Christ. And we're not even male and fe female in Christ. Yes, you have genders. He created us male and female. But it's, that's not what God looks at. God's looking at the heart. He says you can succeed. You can survive. You can be more than a conqueror as men and women. And Paul, I said all that to say this, Paul was very controversial. Because believe it or not, regardless of those things that he said to a couple of churches, Ephesus and Corinth, Paul was empowering women. Paul was talking to women. Did you know Paul simply talking to a woman? There was one time earlier in Acts where they went to the riverbanks in a city, and there was a lady there who was a seller of scarlet. Do you remember that? And she was a woman of God, and they went and talked to her. Did you know that was against Hebrew tradition to even talk to women in public that weren't your wife or daughter or a family member? Paul was breaking tradition. Jesus liberated women. Jesus was talking to women. Did you know the things he did were crazy, according to Hebrew tradition? At one point, a woman with an issue of blood, that means she was bleeding. There was, she had a sickness, a female uh, issue. She touched Jesus, remember, and she was healed. Scripture says in the Old Testament, if someone had an issue of blood, a woman, she's unclean. Jesus said, who touched me, not to go, hey, you don't touch me, you're unclean. He said, who touched me and believed? I felt virtue. I felt power leaving my body. The woman came trembling, and Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. You're healed now. He wasn't worried about unclean. So do you see how Jesus, in Jesus' ministry, he reached out to women over and over and over again. And Paul did the same. Can you imagine making statements like, there's no, there's no Jew or Greek there's no Mexican or Chinese or, or African or, or Irish or Scot Scottish or English. No, we're all one in Christ. And back then, that was a big deal. The Jews said, wait a minute. No, we've been called to be separate. We, we weren't even allowed to marry the Gentiles. And Jesus said, no, I've, I've come and I'm confirming the law. And now we love the Lord our God with all our strength and soul and might, everything within us, and love our neighbors ourself. Man, Jesus even, even went out on a limb. Look at this. This would really upset people. He said, love your enemies. Pray for those that persecute you and use you. Wow. Very controversial stuff. And Paul said some stuff, man. So having said all that as background, Paul is highly controversial. Someone say controversial. He's been fraternizing with women that weren't his wife, talking to them, raising churches with women. Wow. Say, not just men. No, men and women. They were equally powerful. So he already shows up in Jerusalem, and they're going, man, you're teaching people not to listen to the old Hebrew law and customs. Here's what we want you to do. They had a plan. Mm, get ready. They said, we have four men here who have completed their vow. All right. Go with them to the temple and join them in the purification ceremony, paying for them to have their heads ritually shaved. Some of you think I just completed a vow, right? That's what I told people when I first shaved my head. I said, I, I have a vow unto the Lord. <laughs> I do. I really do to serve him. So they said, hey, go, go and show everybody your Jewishness. Someone say Jewishness. Prove to them, okay? You go with them to the temple. You pay for them to have their heads ritually shaved. It's going to show that you're still, you still believe in the law of Moses. Then everyone, what, will know that the rumors are all false and that you yourself observe the Jewish laws. This was important to them. And we got to have mercy for these folks. They're just now coming out of thousands of years of Old Testament, Old Covenant tradition. 
Some of the traditions came directly from God, and some were man-made. Jesus said, by your tradition, you make the word of God of none effect. You cancel out God's word by your traditions. And he didn't mean because they were obeying the law. He meant because they were adding to the law. And I love this. Look, we are Gentiles in the house. Some of you may have a little dab of Jewish blood in here, but we don't know. Praise God. But for the most part, we've all been, no one in here was raised Jewish, I promise. Anyone in here raised according to the old covenant where you were, you know, you couldn't eat pig meat and uh, you were, you were contaminated and you had to go outside of the camp for seven days and all that stuff. Anyone in here raised Jewish like that according to Jewish religion? Of course not. Doesn't take a prophet to know that. So this is us. Look at this. They simplified it for the Gentiles. The Jews were still struggling with it. Some of them raised in it. And they said, hey, they're talking to Paul. As for the Gentile believers, oh, aren't you glad? They should do what we already told them in a letter. We discussed this chapters back earlier in Acts. Remember this came from the pastor of Jerusalem Church, James, the brother of Jesus. They should do what we already told them a letter. in a letter. They should abstain from eating food offered to idols. Okay. From consuming blood or the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. Wow, that's simple, isn't it? They summed up the law into these certain little things because they knew the words of Jesus, love God and love others. And by the way, let's go back to the second part of that verse. And by the way, you know, don't, don't drink blood. I don't know about y'all, but we had, man, we had some pagan on one of my sides of the family. One of the sides of the family, they used to serve blood pudding. I'm just telling you. Some of y'all like that. We didn't do that. No, y'all, y'all's family did other pagan things. <laughs> Don't get too holy up in here because you know I'm quick. I'm like, oh, <laughs> we all had some weird stuff. Really? I remember one of my uncles was asking my grandma, said, hey, we did that, Mom. Why would y'all do that? She's like, we didn't know. <laughs> Blood pudding. Uh, no thanks, I'm fasting. Take that outside the camp and burn it, right? Old, co- old covenant style. So these guys are wise. That was according to the old covenant. It said, don't be consuming blood. Well, number one, there's lots of diseases in blood. Uh, number two, the Lord said it several times. I don't completely understand the deep significance of it, but it's important to God because God said this numerous times in the Old Testament. He said, the life is in the blood. So, you know, if you've ever gone on a hunt and your first kill, you drank blood, you need to repent. Some guys do that, hunters. I don't know if it's a control thing, like, man, I killed the animal and I drank blood. That's just weird. Come on, man. Right? <laughs> so they're saying, look, we've summed it up for the Gentiles. We're going to work it out as Jewish believers because we're still struggling with the old law and people are mad and they think Paul's teaching other stuff. So don't consume blood, right? He said, man, I did that. Well, then you repent and move on. Don't consume blood or the meat of strangled animals. I don't understand the whole significance of that either, but that's, that's what it is. And from sexual immorality, we understand that. If you're not married, you do not get into sexual activity with that person. Is, does everyone hear me? It's real simple. It's real simple. You do not watch movies with sexual content intentionally because the eyes are the windows to the soul. So we have a lot of other stuff now going on that they didn't have back then. They had the issues that they had to deal with, and boy, we've got stuff that we got to deal with now. So take care of your eyes. Take care of what you hear and see and what you speak and what you expose yourself to. So this is powerful here. So let's move on to the next verse. So Paul went to the temple the next day with the other men. They had already started the purification ritual, so he publicly 
announce, oh, no, it happened. I'm going to start being like those teachers in, in school who said, that's my phone now. <laughs> Y'all remember that when you were in school? Said, thank you. I remember they took some of my stuff in school. We didn't have cell phones. Said, Matt, that's mine. I'm like, what's yours? That, what you're messing with. That's mine. Everybody silence your phones. All right, so Paul went to the temple the next day with the other men. They had a plan. Someone say plan. They had a plan. Okay, here we go. But you know how human plans are? Anyway, they'd already started the purification ritual, so he publicly announced the date when their vows would end and sacrifices would be offered for each of them. Look, I'm Jewish. I'm doing some stuff here. Paul thought it was wise. He took the advice of the other Jewish believers. The seven days were almost ended when some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul in the temple. Do you remember the Jews in Asia were giving him grief over and over and over again? Do you remember that earlier? In the book of Acts, they would strike up the mob. So they roused a mob against him. They grabbed him and did what? Yelling, men of Israel. This sounds so funny to me. Men of Israel, help us. This is the man who preaches against our people everywhere. Is he preaching against their people? <laughs> no. And tells everybody to disobey the Jewish laws. He wasn't doing that either. You can read in scripture that he was not doing that. He speaks against the temple. Another lie. And even defiles this holy place by bringing in Gentiles. A blatant lie. Look at the next verse. Look at this. For earlier that day they had seen him in the city with Trophimus. A Gentile from Ephesus. And they assumed Paul had taken, taken him into the temple. Do you see the lies, lies, and more lies built on assumptions? So stuff was hearsay. And then maybe they heard some of the stuff he said out of context. Maybe they heard some of the letters he was writing to the churches and what he was teaching. And then they assumed, which turned out to be another lie, that said he was hanging out in the city with Trophimus. They didn't know his name maybe, but they knew he was a Gentile. And they said he took him into the temple. Gentiles aren't allowed into the temple. Well, the whole city was rocked by these accusations and a great riot followed. Paul was grabbed and dragged out of the temple and immediately... The gates were closed behind him as they were trying to kill him. Word reached the commander of the Roman regiment that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. Thank God for these crazy Gentiles, the Romans. He immediately called out his soldiers. They're the same ones who crucified Jesus, right? The same, uh, uh, the same Romans who crucified Jesus. Maybe not exactly the same, but they are of the same empire. He immediately called out his soldiers and officers and ran down among the crowd. When the mob saw the commander and the troops coming, what did they do? They stopped beating Paul. <laughs> well, because it was wrong. Can you imagine? You don't believe like me, so we're going to beat you to death. That's not coming from God, is it? In hindsight, we can see these stories, and Scripture says that all Scripture is given for reproof and correction and example. Can you imagine going, you don't believe like me, we're going to have you killed? What? That's not right. So then the commander arrested him and ordered him bound with two chains. Here we go with Paul. He asked the crowd who he was and what he had done. The commander did. Say, hey, who is this guy? What did he do? Some shouted one thing and some another. Let's hesitate here for a minute. You remember the riots and stuff that happened? It was happening in the United States a year or two ago. It's interesting because some people are there for a purpose. They're protesting or they want equal rights or they want people of color um, to be treated right or given certain privileges. Okay, that's great. But it's interesting how there's always people in the crowds who don't, they're there for, they don't even know why they're there. They're burning stuff. 
I remember there was a there was a protest, and then it was for people of color, and then two white girls went and lit lit a Wendy's on fire. What? Say, well, what's going on with that? People, some shouted one thing and some another. Some are like, I'm going to just get in the action. I remember in school, sometimes people would be fighting and another dude would run up and start kicking the guy on the ground too. He wasn't even part of it. Like, what is wrong with you? Well, I believe there's a demon spirit called riot and mob. It's the spirit of the mob. You ever heard of a lynch mob? Named after Charles Lynch, I believe. I don't know his whole history, but a lynch mob is they just grab someone and go do justice right then. String them up, hang them. Let's kill them. Let's do that. That's similar to this. Yeah, I believe it's demons, man. After a while, people don't even know why they're there. And people are protesting, and then they're stealing stuff from stores. How is that a protest? Man, I'm sick of how, how y'all are treating everybody. Man, let me just go get in here and steal some stuff. You say, oh, is it just a certain color Do it, doing it? No, you can see the videos. It's just people from the hood, unrenewed minds of all colors are in there stealing Jordans and stuff. They don't even know why they're there. Some are just there to steal. Remember a guy told me years ago? Said, um, and, and that Rodney King trial was a sham. Those cops should have been convicted. That was a bad deal. But I remember L.A. went into a riot. And there was a dude told me, he said, man, we were out. We were just breaking windows and stealing TVs and stuff. They weren't protesting anything. It was the spirit of the mob. Some shouted one thing and some another. Hey, why is he here? Some people are just mad. They don't even know. They're, they're just mad. They don't even know who Paul is. Since he couldn't find out the truth and all the uproar and confusion, how many of you know truth is very, very important? He ordered that Paul be taken to what? The fortress. I believe it's the Fortress Antonia in Jerusalem. That was the Roman fortress there to keep order in Jerusalem because this was a Roman province at the time. As Paul reached the stairs, the mob grew so violent, the soldiers had to lift him to their shoulders to protect him. God. And look at the crowd. Look at the crowd. Say, is this a godly crowd? No, look at what they were doing. And the crowd followed behind shouting, kill him, kill him. The same spirit that drove the mob to crucify Jesus. We know Jesus had to be crucified, but boy, can you imagine being in the crowd and saying, crucify him, crucify him? And then Pilate saying, no, I'm innocent of this man's blood. And then the crowd said, when Jesus was crucified that day, you remember that? They said, let his blood be upon us and our children. God said, okay, it will be so, and I'm going to destroy this city too. And it happened. Can you imagine? <laughs> Woo, we got to be careful. You don't want to just be taken up in something. You need to know the facts. More importantly, you need to know the truth. Why? Because facts change. Facts change daily. Facts change constantly. Right now, Russia is, is uh, have they had a ceasefire yet? Or are they still invading? Blowing up stuff over there in Ukraine. It's still going on. But those facts are ever-changing. Now, the truth of the matter, we do not have all of the exact truth as to why Russia's doing that. You can, there's certain things you can ascertain and research and kind of guess at and say, oh, that's pretty accurate. But, man... Same here. Say, what is the truth? What is the truth? So look at this. Paul was a man of truth. Someone say truth. Paul was a man of God, and he was a man of truth. As Paul was about to be taken inside, he said to the commander, may I have a word with you? Interesting. Did you know the guy's response? The guy goes, do you know Greek? <laughs> the commander asked, surprised. Paul was multilingual. I'm, so, I'm sure he spoke Latin. We know he spoke Greek. He's about to demonstrate to you that he spoke Aramaic. And I believe he also spoke and wrote Hebrew, which is the formal language of the Jews. Aramaic, they had gotten from Syria, and that became the, the, uh, 
lingua franca. It was the main language of, of Israel. You remember they were carried away to Babylon and Assyria and stuff? Well, their language changed. But Hebrew was still around, all right? So there's Hebrew, Aramaic. The Apostle Paul was well-versed in these things. He spoke Greek. I mean, he wrote, it, the books that he wrote in the New Testament, he wrote them in Greek. So the guy goes, wow, you speak Greek. Aren't you the Egyptian who led a rebellion some time ago and took 4,000 members of the assassins out into the desert? Look at all the light. We, nobody knows what's going on. Even the commander's guessing. Aren't you an Egyptian? <laughs> no, Paul replied. I'm a Jew and a citizen of Tarsus in Cilicia, which is an important city. Please, please let me talk to these people. The commander agreed. All right. So Paul stood on the stairs and motioned to the people to be quiet. Soon a deep silence enveloped the crowd, and he addressed them in their own language, Aramaic. What a gift to be able to speak multiple languages. Next verse. Let's, we're going to go a few more verses, and then we'll call it good for tonight. He says, brothers and esteemed fathers, Paul said, listen to me as I offer my defense. When they heard him speaking in their own language, the silence was even greater. You ever been in one of those times where things just get quieter and quieter? All you can hear is your ears ringing. Then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia. And I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. Gamaliel was renowned as one of the teachers of Israel. He was a powerful rabbi and teacher of Jewish law. A true, a, a true, um, a true godly man who feared God. As his student... I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. I became very zealous. Someone help me define zealous tonight. Excited would be one of the synonyms. You could be excited, passionate. What else? Devout. Many times we, we attach zealous to passionate to the point of by any means necessary. Passionate and Passionate, outgoing, and excited to the point of I worked myself into a frenzy. I'll do anything to keep this thing. I'll kill people. And he's, 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 he's heading in that direction. Look, he said, I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just like all of you today. And I persecuted the followers of the way. In, the, in Acts, several times, uh, our faith, the Christian faith, is referred to as the way. Okay? Probably because Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life, but they called it the way. This is the way to heaven, okay? Hounding something to death, he said, arresting both men and women and throwing them in prison. The high priest and the whole council of elders can testify that this is so, for I received letters from them to our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring the followers of the way from there to Jerusalem in chains to, excuse me, to be punished. As I was on the road approaching Damascus about noon, a very bright light from heaven suddenly shone down around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, I'm going to end it right here tonight. Why are you persecuting me? A preview of things to come, that was Jesus. All right? Uh, to this day, did you know that Jesus is appearing to people in dreams, visions, and what they think is physically especially in the Muslim world. Did you know Jesus is appearing all over the place? At one point, Jesus appeared to a guy. His testimony was this, that the guy believed um, his, his, his uh, end-time prophecy as relating to the Muslim religion was that the Imam al-Mahdi was going to come and he was going to lead the, um, he was gonna lead the 
Muslim people and that Jesus, strange doctrine, and Jesus was going to be his right hand or his lieutenant. And one guy, in claiming that, Jesus appeared to him. And it's so amazing because Muslims, or anybody for that matter, when, they, when Jesus appears to them, they know who it is. It's a documented statistical fact. Whenever Jesus appears to you, you know who he is. You recognize him, whether you're a believer or not. And one guy, when Jesus appeared to him, he said, oh, Jesus, you're, you're going to be the lieutenant, lieutenant of the Imam al-Mahdi. And when he said that, according to this guy's testimony, the ground shook. <laughs> Jesus said, I'm not his lieutenant. I am God. I'm God, and I'm the only way. I'm the only hope for salvation you have. So it's interesting that in, in Saul's, before his name was changed to Paul, his salvation experience, he showed up and he knew who he was talking. He said, who are you? He said, I'm Jesus, who's, whom you've been persecuting. Oh, my gosh, you're Jesus. Oh, my goodness, I believe. Amazing. He believed immediately. So if you would, please, any questions? I only have time for about a two-second question tonight. Bow your heads and close your eyes, if you would, please. I know you're not going to ask any questions. Let's pray together. I went a little longer than I wanted to, but such fascinating, engaging, captivating scripture here on the history of your faith. Talking about your spiritual legacy, your spiritual genealogy, and where our, our faith came from as believers. If there's anyone in this house who says, Pastor Matt, I need to get my heart right with Jesus, would you raise your hand? God bless you for your courage. Say, man, I want to make sure my heart is right with God. Let's pray. Everyone, let's agree. Let's unite our faith tonight. Everyone in this house, say, Lord, I believe. Say, I am a believer in Jesus. I know he died and rose again for me. But Lord, right now, with your help, I want to make a comeback. Forgive me of my sins. I don't want to backslide anymore. I don't want to go back to my old ways. Heal me and make me right with you again. You said in your word, if I confess my sin, you would forgive me and cleanse me and make me right with you. I believe. I thank you for a restored spiritual walk. Thank you for your forgiveness, Lord. I'm so sorry for my sin. I want to live righteously and in holiness. In Jesus' name.